Hi, my name is Kira Marie and I'm studying law and political science in Trinity College. My name is Molly O'Boy and I'm studying economics, politics and law in DCU. Our podcast will focus on human rights in the EU with mentions to the core values of human dignity and freedoms. But before we get into that, I do think it is important for us to talk about our introductions to the EU. So personally, when I first learned about the EU, I would say I was about 11 or 12 in primary school and my teacher taught it to us and she explained to us that a lot of countries were actually trying to join the EU and I didn't fully understand what she meant and I thought she meant Europe as a whole. So I thought we were the it continent and that other uh, countries were trying to join Europe. So I thought Asia was trying to join Europe. I thought the USA was trying to join Europe and I was very proud that I was in the it continent. <laughs> yeah, I suppose my experience would be similar enough to Molly's in that I remember being in London when I was 10 or 11 and just being quite confused as to how they were using the pound. But obviously at the time, um, the United Kingdom was still in the EU. Um, so I suppose I hadn't really grasped the concept of the European Union and the Eurozone. Um, then obviously by secondary school, I had a better understanding. And I think a lot of my learning of the influence of the EU in Ireland came from taking a European Studies module in transition year. Um, Molly and I did this module with Vicky Malcolm, who is an ambassador for eTwinning and the European Parliament Ambassador School Programme. Uh, she's also a Modern Foreign Languages and European Studies teacher. We are incredibly grateful that she's here to speak to us on human rights and human dignity in the EU. Uh, what would you say are the advantages of the EU having core values specifically in relation to human rights? I think that the core values are essential, not just human rights, but all of the core values of dignity and freedom of speech, etc. But human rights is um, particularly important because we are faced at the moment with a lot of crises in the EU, particularly in relation to migrants and I think um, human rights is core to how we deal with that. Now unfortunately I don't think that all EU member states are dealing with it in the same way and I think that EU member states should be held to account for how they deal with human rights issues in their country and we're not doing that at the moment we are acting as the eu which is right and proper but we aren't um holding for example poland or hungary or bulgaria to account for the lapses in their um, human rights policy ireland we can talk about ireland later but i think ireland does fall into that category as well so yes, to come back to your first point, essential um, that everybody, that there is a certain minimum standard that all EU member states must adhere to. But I think we can do much to improve on where we are at the moment. And um, would you say denying membership for failure to uphold human rights into the EU, do you think that's like one of the important things that the EU does? I mean, obviously Turkey struggling to get membership. Um, denying membership, I think, is a, maybe a bit harsh. I think the enlargement process of the EU is necessary. And I think that the enlargement process helps to encourage countries to address human rights issues and other issues in core European values. Um, so denying 
people access. I would look at it more as just a, a process of aligning countries' values or accession countries' values with EU values. Um, I, I think that uh, it is something that is very topical at the moment in the EU. Um, there was a special European Council on the 9th and 10th of February about human rights. Uh, well, about a number of things, but about human rights in relation to migration. And I think that as a result of that, there is a much better focus on the core European values again. Um, I think we need to ensure that EU heads of state, but also heads of state of these accession countries, are aligned um, in their ambitions to strengthen external borders. I think we need to work with third party countries just outside of those borders and make sure, particularly in relation to migration, that they are also following um, EU values and that's where I think denying a member state is or a, or a potential member state access to the EU is not constructive that we should be it should be a teaching process a learning process um, You previously mentioned how Ireland is not holding up human rights mm -hmm. how do you think EU values affect and influence human rights um, kind of domestic laws in member states? Yeah, well, I think Ireland is, is not the, the only one. Everybody will mention Poland and Hungary, uh, Cyprus, France, Greece. Um, you know, there are people who have been, who have tried to aid um, migrants in Greece who have been, and, and an Irishman included in that, have been brought before the courts and uh, in an attempt to prosecute them. The low point for me wasn't Poland or Hungary at all. I think that is ongoing, but was when Denmark tried to rescind permits for Syrian refugees. That was an absolute low point, I think, in um, the way that the EU was handling the migrant crisis. Greece deciding that Turkey is a safe country, that's awful. But in our case, I think... <clears throat> And it's a focus of the debate in the Doyle this evening is the eviction ban and the right to housing. And I think we are falling down and we have been recognised by Amnesty as falling down in our um, provision of housing for people in Ireland, whether that is for Irish people or whether that is for people who are have come to Ireland um, escaping, um, you know, as migrants. And uh, what would you say, in your opinion, is the biggest advantage for the EU citizens that, in regards to the EU's strong promotion of human rights, or they're trying to promote of human rights? Well, I, I think that you have a safe place, that you know that if you are in the EU, there are certain rights available to you. You have your rights, you should know your rights. I'm not sure that everybody does, and I think just to to uh, to go to what myself and maybe Dr. Devitt, what we do every day teaching about the EU is really important because I'm not sure that everybody recognises those rights. But there should be more accountability. And I said that right at the beginning. There should be more accountability for member states. We, Ireland, should be being held up and said, you know, in the 2020 programme for government, the coalition parties said that they were going to address the housing issue. They said that they were going to have a constitutional referendum on housing and they haven't done that. 
and we should be holding those people to account in the same way that the EU should be holding us, Ireland or Denmark or Poland or Hungary to account. Um, I don't, I think that is, it's, it, there's a steady decline in the respect for human rights in the EU and that's worrying. I think what Vicky said there about housing in Ireland is so important because I suppose you never really think that your country, particularly in regards to human dignity, is falling short. Yeah, it's definitely very interesting, especially in the context that it's obviously one of the European Union's priorities. Um, I know the European Commission only recently granted state aid of four hundred and fifty million, I think, for the building of apartments in Ireland for um owner occupiers. Yeah, I mean it is front of mind in Ireland, but it just shows how important and vital the EU is to Ireland that they they do grant this sort of aid to us. Definitely. Our next guest speaker is Dr. Jerome Devitt, who has a PhD in 19th century Irish history. He is also a politics and society teacher who, in teaching politics and society, has a vast knowledge of the European Union. So how are the EU values relevant in today's Ireland? So I would say that they're extremely relevant and increasingly relevant in, in modern Ireland. It's amazing, I would argue, how few people are specifically conscious of what those values are, even if they might live them every day. You know, we take our democracy pretty much for granted. We oftentimes take the EU for granted, although I think in the kind of post-Brexit world that has shifted. We are that much more aware of being European and what that might mean. But things like human dignity are values you would embody, not just explicitly learn. So, you know, you might have a human rights context. We learn about human rights in school. We, you know, we have you know, a strong sense of what our rights and responsibilities might be. And this might be something that you come across in CSPE as a, as a, a junior student. Uh, and they're kind of tangential to your life. You kind of assume that those things are there and that everything is working properly. Uh, but it's also something I think that in a school context, you would embody in your pedagogy. Are you actually treating students with dignity? Are, are they having a voice within the classroom? Not, not obviously not, not going to run everything, but do they have the opportunity to express their democratic opinion, to have some say at the appropriate stage, like the UN Convention of the Rights of the Child would say, appropriate to their age? Um, is there a, a rule of law that allows people to avail of all those other rights? These are some, something that allows people to live out those EU fundamental rights and values in a day-to-day -day sense. And um, to what extent do the EU values influence your teaching of politics and society? So in terms of how I would approach politics and society, it's a case of wanting to ensure, let's take the human rights idea, for example. Students have to be able to argue effectively. They have to have the language and the terminology that allows them to sum up the big concepts and big ideas that they're dealing with all the time. So, for example, uh, this literally just this morning, I started an introduction to human rights with my fifth years. It's something that's going to take me from, uh, you know, May, uh, from, from March until the end of May. And so I have to start off with the language of human rights. Do they understand what the universality of rights are? Do they understand what derogable, derogable and non-derogable rights are? What qualified and limited rights are? They have to be equipped with that, those terms, with the mechanisms to make the arguments that they want to 
uh, want to make within the context of how Ireland operates. And then to see how those rights are codified into our constitution and into our laws. And understanding that, you know, no human rights police are going to come and knock on the door to enforce the UN Declaration of Human Rights, but that they can bring legal challenges, for example, to the Council of Europe, and that there's a, you know, the EU Charter of Rights and Fundamental Values are there, and that all of these mechanisms for human rights are available to them, and then understanding within a classroom context how they can learn about those things uh, in a meaningful way. Now, the way I have, after six years of teaching politics and society, I've tried to put a framework for that for my students. So I now talk about the four eyes of human rights, uh, the instances, the kind of the ideas, the, the I sentences, and then the institutions and how those four eyes link together to make a meaningful discussion and meaningful critique of human rights. Um, you mentioned there the EU Charter of Fundamental Rights. Um, to what extent do you think that these values have changed or developed since Ireland's joining of the EU? Well, I suppose one of the most fundamental ways in which we've, we, we see this is in the EU support post-Brexit, but also the EU as a co-guarantor of something like the Good Friday Agreement. Um, that a lot of these things are, have happened before the students, uh, you know, were even born in a lot of cases, not me, I'm of a certain age, but it's a case of these things have already been firmly embedded in a lot of what students see and a lot of what students are availing of. And one of the things with the EU values is to make it explicit to them. Why is it that your phone charger will work in these different countries? Why is it that people can avail of the, the, the likes of a Erasmus scheme? Or why is it that you don't have to change your money if you go on a school trip to Berlin, as I did last week with students? So, you know, making students aware of the benefits that they are, um, that they are experiencing is, is really important because when it comes to something like values and values education, uh, I would always say that this kind of it's a Terry Eagleton idea, but that there are two types of invisibility: the invisibility of things that aren't there, but also the invisibility of the ever-present things that you just take for granted. And in a lot of ways, we take those rights and values for granted when I think they should be made a little bit more overt. And how might you expect the relevance of these EU values in Ireland and Europe at large to evolve in the near future? Well, I think the pressure put on by Brexit and the way in which most Irish people, I mean, all the surveys would suggest and all the polling would suggest that, you know, Ireland has amongst the highest approval rating of the EU of any country and has been highlighted by the Brexit situ situation. We're at 85 to 90 percent nearly across the board in the different regions, the different breakdowns of age and gender and so on. Uh, so as we face into those difficulties, being able to have those values to fall back on both in the term, in context of Brexit, but also in the context of ri rising political extremism. That's something like that value of human dignity. Well, yes, you want to be treated with dignity, but with that comes the responsibility to treat other people with dignity. Uh, and we could look at something like a United Ireland. If a United Ireland comes, how are we going to respect the traditions of unionists who would be, uh, you know, see the Irish state or reunified Ireland is a threat to their identity. How do we use those values as the tools to solve problems we haven't even thought about yet? What Dr. David said about in Ireland, us not really knowing our human rights, that was also echoed by Vicky in her interview, I think is really interesting because particularly in Ireland, we don't really know much about our human rights. Uh, the EU definitely is trying to promote 
learning about our human rights, but I would say the average person in Ireland don't know about their human rights and uh, the EU and what the EU has done for Ireland in regards to human rights. Yeah, definitely. I think that's really interesting. In I know Dr. Devitt brought up the Good Friday Agreement and obviously April this year marks um, 25 years since that was established. Um, and obviously the EU played such a crucial part in mm. the peace talks, yeah. um, establishing human rights for um, Catholics and Protestants. Yeah, they. I mean, they were so vital in that. And I think they actually were the kind of institution to get it over the line. Most people don't know that, but they were the mediator in the in the talks. Definitely, yeah. And obviously they still are Um, kind of in the context of the Windsor framework that was just agreed. Um, They have such a huge influence, which is ongoing in the context of Northern Ireland. Mm. And I mean, human rights in Ireland before the Good Friday Agreement, they were quite bad. I mean, they're deplorable, actually, I think, you know, the car bombings, everything to do with Ireland of old was, was just, I mean, human dignity, freedoms and human rights were being infringed on. Um, and even when you look at things like the EU, they've just been so, like um, the gay marriage referendum in 2015, the EU has just been so vital in helping Ireland, the Ireland of old, move into the Ireland of new. Yes, definitely. Like, obviously, Ireland was the first country to legalise gay marriage by popular vote. Mm, yeah. Um, which is such a large kind of discrepancy compared to the Ireland of 1980s and 1990s. Yeah. It, it does show how much we've moved on and, and progressed. Yeah. And I think, as you said, I think the EU definitely played a huge role in, like, facilitating that. Yeah. And I think we were the first people to legalise gay marriage by popular vote. Um, but we were really behind the book and we were ahead of the book in that regard, but I think we were really behind the book when you look at reproductive rights and the EU definitely were holding Ireland, uh, responsible and culpable with the fact that we had no reproductive rights in Ireland. I mean, at 16 years old to learn that abortion was illegal in Ireland. I remember when eventually it was that it was a referendum and learning that it was illegal. It kind of felt like a kick in the teeth. Yeah, definitely. I remember when it was passed, I remember the like pure feeling of joy. And just relief. And 100%. Because, you know, you, you look at what some of the, the cases in Ireland where people died as a result of not having basic reproductive rights. And, and that's the key with the EU, is that they have been just so vital and important in these sort of issues that's helping Ireland go from that kind of Catholic uh, kind of base the, the government base in this these kind of catholic beliefs and views yeah like you mentioned there um kind of old cases that resulted as a result of not having reproductive rights and obviously the carry baby is a big one in the news at the moment and that was just a horrend- horrendous story um so i think kind of foundations that were laid um by the eu when we first joined um they've been built upon to kind of come to the ireland that we have today mm. I do think the EU, like you look at when we joined the EU, that was the turning point in Ireland because the EU just so promotes human rights in Ireland. They've, they're so crucial in that aspect. I think as young girls, I mean, we're in our 20s now, having that kind of authority figure in Ireland that, that is kind of keeping us up to standard is really important. Yeah, just returning to the overall question of how are EU values relevant in today's Ireland, um, I think it's pretty obvious from our own discussion how um, important it's been in our own lives. Um, 
and that kind of relevance is definitely ongoing yeah and thank you so much for listening um we really enjoyed making this and i hope you enjoyed listening to it thank you